You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Fantastic. Um, welcome, people. How are you doing? Uh, welcome to episode 45 now. Um, of the Sports Therapy Association podcast. So, um, yeah, enough from me. Over to the bigger man himself, Gary Benson, founder of the UK Sports Therapy Association. Yeah, good evening, Matt. There's, from the comments, there's a lots of echo um, on your on your voice. Um, don't right. know what's, what what's going on there. But, uh, okay, thanks. Let me know. try and sort, sort out, out um, tech, I'll just have a, a bit of a waffle on. Um yeah, this, today we've spent um, going over the government, uh, the various government websites and collating guidance, which we've sent out on a MailChimp to every member's registered email address. And my Facebook's just gone mad saying, I haven't got it, I haven't got it, I haven't got it. Um, I would check your spam uh, first and foremost. Because we're live, I can't do anything to check it at the moment, but I will be putting the guidance in the um in the members portal as well um so tomorrow it will go in the members area on the website on the sga website and tonight it will go as a pdf document on the sga members group but sometimes on the pdfs the the links don't work so i might have to uh, post it as a word document as well but uh, i'd just like to say to start off you know really appreciate the messages of support that we're getting from members far and wide um it's been a crap year it was a crap year last year for us all um it hasn't started off you know very well this year as well with with the lockdowns and um you know we've tried our hardest to engage with members and i think uh, we've given away thousands of pounds worth of of prizes every friday which jake's been coordinating he's not joining us live tonight because he's doing an online course um but yeah if you've got any questions then i'm more than happy to help uh, and, and try and, and answer them. I, I think I've covered everything in the guidance document. We've had some um, really good collaboration with uh, Anna Maria from the ISRM. Um, we've been sharing resources and uh, discussing lots um, over the, over the past weeks and, and months. Um, but I think I think the guidance you know that we've produced is is fair and. Uh, and, and tries to cover every eventuality, you know, no matter where you're working. But tomorrow I'll be on email, Messenger, uh, WhatsApp, Facebook to answer any questions individually that I don't get um, through tonight. So um, w- when we planned this one, we thought it would be really good to have some sort of regional representation from um the devolved nations and administrations. So we've got uh, Daniel, who's coming on from Scotland. We've just run an extension lead up to him. Um, we, we have trouble getting getting um, getting on board, um, but I'm sure that's not a reflection. It's probably all the snow that you're getting up there, Daniel, that's uh, making it a poor signal. Uh, we've got Gronje from Northern Ireland, and we've got uh, Gareth from, from Wales. Um, Daniel regularly updates me on what's happening in Scotland and he frequently puts things in the STA Scotland Facebook group and we are I've, I've spoken to Granier uh, earlier today and we're going to be introducing a, an STA island which will cover both North and Southern Ireland um, 
so hopefully we'll be able to engage with more members and put you all in touch with each other over there um, and then i'm going to be speaking with our Re welsh regional representatives tomorrow and try and and get that from just being a south wales group to a whole wales group in scotland i think things have been a lot stricter than definitely england england there seems to have been a lot of um Almost, almost exceptions, exceptions. cheats, cheats grey areas, areas, whatever you want to call them. You, know, you can have a massage if it's for stress or uh, whatever else. In Scotland, that has never happened. There was a little bit with another organisation seemed to suggest they had a letter that allowed it, but that never came to anything. Um, so we had the initial lockdown this time last year, where no one was allowed to do anything. Uh, then we went back and uh, sports therapy, massage therapy was one of the last groups to go back. Uh, I don't know how it happened in England, but we had the thing where uh, close contact, so hairdressers, barbers, uh, and so on were allowed to go to work. Uh, I think beauty therapists, uh, nails and so on were allowed to go to work. And then it had to go on for a little bit longer uh, with us not working until it got into, I think, stage three it was before we were allowed to, to work again. So we were behind a lot of people in, who were, whose care was pretty, not shoddy, but, you know, hairdressers, um, uh, <laughs> beauty therapists, you know, not knocking them. But it was a bit, in the kick of the bit of a kick in the teeth that we weren't allowed in. You know, with them, you know, why keep us behind them? Uh, now we're into the third lockdown or just coming out. And the roadmap has been so the fifth, that was when, which is today, close contact services were allowed. So barbers and hairdressers were allowed to open. Uh, you weren't allowed to wait inside. You had to have a pre-booked appointment. So that was that started today. Uh, the next stage, which will be the 26th of April, uh, they're saying all non-essential retail plus close contact and mobile services will be allowed. But there may be um, precautions. As far as I'm aware, that means we're allowed back on the 26th of April, as in prior to the first COVID lockdown. Everything is back to normal. We're all back to normal. Yeah, we may have to wear gloves. Yeah, we may have to wear um, uh, masks. Yeah, we may have to wear aprons. But it's a small um, price to pay, in my opinion, for being able to open up again uh, and start working. So that's where we are in Scotland. Um, there's... I'm not sure quite where we are in classes. I can't work out where that comes. Uh, normally, I try to follow what happens with the Scottish athletics because they seem to be one of the most um, mature and communicative, communicative associations there are. Uh, and uh, they, with their groups, their clubs, their information is normally very good and very sensible. Uh, so I normally take them as a lead for saying things like, oh, okay, yeah, you, you can run in a group. 
So I think at the moment you can run with one other person. Uh, you're not allowed people in houses. Gyms aren't allowed at the moment, aren't allowed to open at the moment. Uh, I don't think I've seen the bit where um, gyms or let's say Pilates classes, um, uh, how can we phrase it? Therapy backed exercise, therapy informed exercise classes are allowed. Uh, I don't know where that is. I haven't quite worked out where that is on the roadmap at the moment. Um, and I'll be looking to that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think, you know, from my perspective, looking at how I've had to interpret the various government and administration um, guidance and legislation, I, I've been impressed that the, the Scottish guidance seems more robust and less ambiguous. Um, obviously, we've got Boris down here uh, sort of huffing and puffing and uh, not really saying a lot. Um, and despite various communications that, that not just the STA, but other professional associations have, have sent to the government, um, you know, we've not had any clarification. And for all of the... Um, the gains that we made in the first lockdown with getting the sports and massage therapies um, named by the BEIS, which is part of the, of the Office for National St St Statistics. Um, you know, we still, when the guidance comes out, we still seem to be, um, you know, lumped in with uh, with spas and massage. Um, but, you know, I was really pleased yesterday that we were named in the close contact that, that could come back. I, I, you know, going to your point on the, fitness classes i think ours is in stage three or step three uh, which is going to be uh, mid to the end of may five weeks from now so and, and i haven't been able to ascertain what what scotland uh, are doing with regards to that but you know we've issued guidance for, for exercise prescription you know in clinical environments uh, we, we've issued guidance for those working in a home environment whether that be their own home or an other person's home um, we, we've issued guidance for people working in in sports teams, um, and and that's basically you know follow the guidance for the sports national governing body uh, because they've um, issued appropriate guidance for the medical teams and the support staff um, for various sports. But um, you know, non non elite sport at the moment, to my understanding, is limited to to groups of fifteen people. Um, so I'll be checking some more more facts tomorrow and, and updating the guidance if necessary. But yeah, I mean, going back, you know, I think that the Scottish um, guidance has been more robust and, and and far easier to understand. And, and while it is frustrating that that uh, you know you're going back later than the the, the barbers and the hairdressers, um, you know, I can see why that is. You know, the the, the risk assessment for cutting somebody's hair or barbering somebody's hair, you know, at an arm's length with appropriate mask and, and visor is a lot less than the close contact that, that we're involved with. And, and I think that um, it would have been sensible if all of the, the administrations and devolved powers had had a, a cohesive approach, but that's, that's not to be. Um, so, you know, I thank you for everything you're doing for our Scottish members uh, with updating them and, and updating me. Uh, because it's sometimes very difficult to to keep abreast of all the changes as as, the, as they occur. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry, I was going to say yeah. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's, it's quite, quite hard, hard. Um, finding yourself finding your way through the the labyrinth of uh, government websites to find 
the right page with the right information. And for me, yes, Scotland or for the Scottish members, yeah, we're not working. I've got time to look through that. And I can post that on the the Scottish, um, the STA Scotland Facebook page. And um, other members will see other things as well. And we'll very quickly or normally very quickly get what's there. But that's easy for us to do because it's, it's, I don't mean it's our stuff, but it's our stuff. It, It concerns us. And it's in our interest to go through that. Um, for you to have to do that for four regions is unachievable. Uh, you know, it's so much work to do. Whereas, you know, we've got, you know, we've got a growing group at the moment up here and, um, we always welcome more. So, uh, please come join the, uh, STA Scottish Facebook group. Um, but, um, yeah, we're trying to keep everyone informed. It's easier for us to do. And the other regional groups as well, the other devolved nations can do exactly the same. And it just makes it easier for you to collate that and then put it out to everyone in those groups as well of what's the you know best practice, what's the most sensible way of doing things. Uh, and I just want to say thank you for doing that. Well, I mean, you're welcome. It's a contract I signed with myself when I, when I set up the STA, not knowing that COVID was going to, to come along and, and cause us all this uh, this, this stress. Um, but, uh, you know, it's having the feet on the ground in that location, which I found extremely helpful. You know, Stevie Barr's just given us a little bit of clarification that gym classes are May 17th with normal social distancing in Scotland. Gyms are open on the 26th. Uh, but for single use only, no group exercise. So um, a little bit like we had in in, in England last year with uh, three metres squared uh, boxes for you to uh, exercise in. Um, just while we go on, Emma's uh, noticed that ventilation time is cut from 30 to 15 minutes and client, clients not necessarily having to wear a face mask when face down on the couch. Um, the... The Public Health England and, and World Health Organization guide, guidance for uh, ventilation was always a, a minimum of 15 minutes. Um, you know, we thought 30 minutes was, was more appropriate to give you cleaning time, the necessary cleaning time, and then allow ventilation because if you're using an aerosol um, spray uh, to disinfect, it's the, you know, it was to allow the um you know that to work and allow if you were if you were cleaning your your couch and your your surfaces with with some kind of disinfectant it was allow to allow that to dissipate because those of us who have a, a dyson air purifier when we use anything that is um disinfecting or um you know antiviral it's quite clear from the way that the filter moans and grows and, and all the flashing lights come on that there are a lot of of, of potential um, harmful particles in the air and that's why we, we you know we plumped for for 30 minutes but um, yeah. you know 15 minutes is is, is a compromise um, yeah. yeah I'll come to you so, in a second Daniel um, you know that the face masks is is a compromise you know I put in the guidance that you know in Europe we are um, we are watching the third lockdown, the third wave, and, and the, sorry, the fourth lockdown in France. And, you know, COVID's still here. You know, it hasn't gone away. We may be experiencing different variants over the coming months and years, and we have to do everything we can to, to, to mitigate um, the risks uh, to ourselves, families, and our communities. So, um, you know, we have collaborated with other associations, and we have come to 
uh, you know, a, what we consider a fair um, a fair set of guidance. But, you know, I am aware that in, in multidiscipline clinics where you may not necessarily be the clinic lead, you know, they are asking you to go back to back. And, and I think, you know, having your own risk assessment, which starts and ends with you, uh, that may cause some conflict there. But, we, you know, we are discussing that with the, the various regulated professions. Uh, yes, Daniel, you were going to uh, interject. Yeah, I was just yeah, going to say that... A couple of things. I think it was Clinel, uh, the Clinel wipes need to be allowed to work for, uh, I think it was a minimum of 10 minutes uh, before it's they're deemed capable of having killed the COVID they've been in contact with. So cutting it much below 15 minutes, if you're doing a whole room with wipes or uh, antiviral sprays, isn't that achievable? You still have to have time for everything to work. And there was other, one other thing I was going to say is what was quite funny is uh, my history or my background was in osteopathy. Uh, and at the beginning of COVID, um, there were lots in lots of people in the osteopathic, osteopathic groups, can't even say it today, uh, saying that, oh, you know, if I've got to wear gloves, if I've got to wear masks, there's no point doing this. I think I'm going to give up. And now they're saying things like, oh, I love my, I, I love my, I love my gloves. They're great. And, do you know what? I haven't caught a cold or flu this year. I think I'm going to carry on wearing a mask afterwards. So you have all these people that originally hated these now wearing them the whole time. And it comes to a stage of where do we actually get rid of them? Do we need to get rid of them? People are actually used to them. And in these close contact or close contact situations, maybe if we're going to have to get used to COVID as a seasonal type thing, we just don't get rid of it. Uh, we keep the masks on, the gloves, yeah, I quite like anyway. Uh, for acupuncture, I need to wear gloves anyway, so why bother taking them off? I'd quite like to lose the um, the apron, but that's partly environmental and partly I can't actually tie it at the moment behind my back because it hurts so much, uh, but that's a different story. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'd like to lose the apron, but everything else... I can see a point carrying on with that. I don't know how the rest of the people uh, listening or the other uh, regional reps feel about that. But, yeah, I'd be quite happy to carry on with those. Should we get a Northern Ireland? Sorry to sound a bit like Eurovision Song Contest there, but I, c- I couldn't work out another way of doing it. But um, should we get a Northern Ireland? Should we bring up Grunia? Let's get a Graham over in Northern Ireland. Let's go. Here we go. Hey, Grunia, how are you doing? Oh, let's unmute you. Otherwise, that's going to be terrible. There we are. That's me. There we go. There we How go. are you going? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. good. Thank you. Has the echo gone? Yes. How strange. Must have been something glitch. Nice to meet you, Gwanya. Thanks so much for coming along. Um, yeah, no before we do, because I think quite a few people, um, especially uh, Daniel's wonderfully active online and stuff, so people probably know Daniel for better or for worse. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell us, we haven't had the pleasure of talking to you before. So tell us a little bit about you, your practice, uh, what you do. Okay, well, um, I'm a graduate sports therapist. I went to Birmingham, I'm pretty sure Becky's on there somewhere. Um, we were in the same university group so that was that was good um yeah no I started off my practice quite small started off part-time was working in an office for a while and then a redundancy came up so I took that and went full-time and haven't looked back since thankfully so yeah work clinic and work with teams and 
as you can see on my Facebook page there that they can be a lively one. There's too much stuff going uh, on below, so I cut that out. But there's a fantastic picture of you and at least 43 other men. Yeah, on Facebook, it's it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Listening to Daniel talking about Scotland, were there things which were similar or contrasted? What what did you notice? Seems to be in Scotland, it's a bit more straightforward. Here we have five steps, but there's nine categories. So there's sport and there's all sorts of stuff. And it's just, it's very, very confusing. So I'm just trying to keep to what I need to know rather than than everything else that's going on. Um, so yeah, as a sports therapist, it's been pretty confusing because come New Year's, I was fully prepared for closure. Um, when it came to, to whenever New Year came along, and then it turned out that no, you can open because being close contact, normally we would have had to close with the hairdressers and beauticians, and but this time that wasn't that wasn't the case. And then they changed the legislation again to what was it? Elite or medical purposes. So that was very grey. Uh, so for me personally, I closed until March when there was another change in legislation. But they don't like to announce that they're changing things. You just have to kind of keep an eye on it. So the legislation at the moment is worded that sports therapy massage can open. But again, there's a lot of there's a lot of grey areas around there. But I'm going by what what we've been told we can do. So PPV up and away we go. So people contacting, are you open? Yes, but it's all it's all very strange and not very clear. All yours, Gary. We'll do good cop, bad cop. Oh, sorry. There we are. Sorry, Gary. I'm not gonna it's, it's, that. it's quite all right. I, you've got control of the mute button there, so uh, sorry. I, I, I couldn't interject. Uh, yeah, uh, um, Gonya and I spoke um, a, a few weeks ago at the, at the start of March when uh, there was an update of the of, of the Irish uh, restrictions, and we spent a long time trying to get clarification on you know whether you could or whether you couldn't work. And um, I think one of the the problems I found with the with the Northern Irish um, uh, guidance is that it references amendments. Um, but you can never find the amendments, and so I collaborated with another a, a, a number of the other association leaders, and none of us could come up with a definitive answer. Um, so it was suggested that uh, you know, whilst it said we could, you know, we could work. Um, it's like Granny was uh, saying to me earlier that you know people have been working, but not openly advertising that they're working, not touting for clients, if you like. And they were going through their their back catalogue of clients who who they na- knew needed help, uh, and just assisting them until we got the clarification. So, um, uh, and Granny has just started a, the the uh, Facebook Island group today, and as I said earlier, it's going to cover the both North and South. South Island, and hopefully we'll be able to create a network over there to 
so that we can do the same sort of things that we're having here with a regular coffee morning chat with no agenda. You know, Scott runs them for us on a Wednesday at 11 o'clock. Um, and, and they're really useful because we've been discussing the anxieties that people are feeling, uh, you know, about going back to work after such a long time off. And we also discussed last week that, you know, we don't want to be rocking back into this full time, you know, because we, we basically sat on the sofa for, for a year. Um, and going back to you know multiple clients in a day uh, may leave us feeling fatigued and, 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 and susceptible, if you like, to to picking up uh, all manner of uh, illnesses. But but as Daniel said, you know everybody I've spoken to, as uh, you know member wise, is saying, oh, I really think I'm going to keep the gloves and the mask because I haven't had a cold, I haven't had flu, um, haven't picked up anything from my sniveling sniffling clients who coming come in and saying oh i've just had a bit of a cold so i think it is you know going to be the way forward i, I appreciate it's you know it's damaging the environment uh, and we've got to look at how we can minimize that impact but with regards to ppe i think you know it it, it has a place now i think we've realized that we were um not unclean or not uh, you know um you know, not taking the necessary precautions, but we could have been safer. And, and, and that's the reflection of, of many members that I speak to. Um, Emma brought up one of the questions in the in the chats about the lateral flow test. Now, for those of you who have received the email guidance, the recommendation from the government is that everybody in the workplace has twice weekly uh, lateral flow tests. Now, where I am um, in, in the East Midlands, you can actually pick up lateral flow tests from your designated COVID testing station. Now, because the number of tests are diminishing, and the number of um, infections are diminishing. What they're doing is they're doing the COVID testing in the mornings in my location. And in the afternoon from 1 p.m., you can rock up and you uh, you drive up and you open your passenger window and they chuck a couple of boxes in, your, in, in through the car window. So there's no uh, risk of cross-contamination. It's a really efficient system. Um, the government are suggesting we have these twice weekly tests and they are going to make them available um, to be sent out by the post but they they are recommending that if you've got a local test center you go and pick them up there so um has anybody uh, on the floor got any any questions i i see that ava mentioned that two packs of 14 tests so plenty um some of the tests uh, that that we've been picking up locally you get two in a box not not seven so that may be uh, uh, regional differences um but if anybody else has got got any advice on, on those um, i'm i'm very lucky i've i've not had to test at all myself i don't work in clinical practice and when i was um poorly last year i was due to go for a covid test but i was hospitalized first so i've never had the displeasure of having my my tonsils and my nostrils uh, severely poked with a with a long stick um but um, i'm i'm sure that many of you who've got got children at, at secondary school have had to uh, administer those and i know that some members have been working as both, both vaccinators and and administrators for the vaccination program so um you know we've 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 done our bit so uh, anybody who has been involved in the process you know my personal thanks for being part of the solution um <laughs> and no keith you don't have to pee on it unless you're pregnant <laughs> but uh, yeah thanks for the laugh mate um so um has anybody got anything they'd like to add i was just going to say just really quickly that um csp uh uh chartered society of physios um, i don't matt can you unmute daniel please and mute me because I, all i'm getting is an echo 
Is that better now? Okay. What I was saying is the CSP, the Chartered Society of Physios, um, they're sort of almost like the Physios Trade Union as such, their guidance body. Uh, their governing body is the HCPC, and that's the same uh, with the General Osteopathic Council. Um, the osteopathic equivalent of the CSP is the IO, the Institute of Osteopathy. General Osteopathic Council, uh, from what I've heard from the osteopathic profession, have been pretty useless uh, with no <laughs> guidance anywhere. Um, uh, whereas the IO, the IO have been working really quite well with everything. I've just had a message saying anyone, no one can hear anything. Uh, is that the case, or um, is something else going on there? Can anyone hear me? Yes or no? You can. Cool. Perfect. Okay, great. So, yeah, so just talking about um, the uh, the IO, the Institute of Osteopathy, being equivalent to CSP. So if we have these sort of guidances again about um, delegating things, you're probably better off speaking to the IO. They're better. Um, GIOSC are fairly useless. Not even osteopaths can get through to them. Um, uh, so, yeah, there's just that one really quickly. Uh, AHPs, osteopaths aren't AHPs in Scotland or Wales for that matter, but they are in, in England. So again, this is another regional difference. I don't know what the, uh, the equivalence is in Northern Ireland. Uh, in Ireland, it's completely different altogether, uh, which is another quite interesting one. But what's that got to do with anything? It's this working with under the guidance of, um, it should never have come to that. We should have been, you know, we should be doing things in our own right rather than having to rely on permission from other people. Um, and that's me just finished on that little rant, I think. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Daniel, I'm, I do apologise. I... Uh... I couldn't hear any of that until you said, and that's my little rant. Um, all I could hear was was feedback. So uh, I'm sure they were all valid points, and I thank you for them all. Uh, Matt, would you like to um, come back in? Just while we're waiting for Matt, then I'll just see if there's any any questions. What are your view on wearing gloves but using your elbows and forearms in sports massage? Um, the health and safety advice that we received um, and the reason that we um, recommended wearing gloves was because when you are working with massage medium, um, you know, oils, creams, lotions and potions, um, tests were uh, indicative that we couldn't, successfully clean everything from underneath the fingernails and from the uh, the creases around the skin um, and that's why we went with with gloves other associations are saying no gloves um, i think you've got to do everything you can in your power to mitigate the, the risk of infection and cross contamination um, i think it's easier to clean a forearm or and an elbow than it is to clean uh, around the digits of the hand uh, so debbie i hope that, that answers your your question um, Gillian said there's a government website link we do check where to collect the test from um, and apparently you do order them in boxes of seven now 
Gwonier and Gareth, you can both see the questions on the side now. So me and Gary are going to shut up and let you kind of answer some stuff on perspective of Northern Ireland and Scotland. I might flash things up onto the screen for you to see. Do you guys see the questions that come up onto the screen? Like, what is the guidance acupuncture now? Yeah. Um, Do you have any experience in either of those? Do you, either of you use acupuncture or? I yeah, I well, I try needle. Yeah. Again, there's not very, it's not very clear on what what you can can't do so i only use it as in kind of when if it's if there's something that's stubborn but again it's not very it's not very clear when i spoke to infection control um previous lockdowns when we reopened they they told me um not to use dry needling and not to use sports massage that's what their guidance was over the phone, but uh, nothing written. This is a kind of the re- been the reoccurring problem throughout, isn't it? No one can really commit or give a black or white answer, which is why I think most places just say, listen to your uh, professional association and follow their guidelines. So it all falls onto Gary's shoulders and he can't please all the people all the time. <laughs> but you can definitely annoy some of the people some of the time. So it's, it's a no-win situation. Um, let me see if I can bring Gary back with regards to th- modalities like acupuncture and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, many of our members do use uh, acupuncture, uh, dry needling or medical acupuncture. Um, and, you know, they're reporting that, you know, they're using gloves for PPE. They are um, still using it as a passive intervention. Um you know, it's ironic that um, the, the different local authorities have differing views on what is more infection or infectious or less infectious. Um, you know, I, I saw um, a guidance document from my local council which said that acupuncture could stay open um, when sports massage therapists, uh, you know, were to, were to close. Um, and, and I think they were basing their uh, the uh, provision of grants on, on that as well. So um, it, it's just been so ambiguous and there's been no continuity between any of the devolved nations or, or, or Boris. Um, so, you know, the, the bottom line is, uh, and I know not everybody's blessed with, with uh, common sense, I'm, I'm one of those, is you've got to do whatever you can to mitigate the risk to yourself first and foremost, because you know, unless you take care of yourself, you're no good to anybody. Um, but also, if you've got a family, you know, you don't want to be risking taking uh, the virus home. So everything you do in your clinical environment should be as safe as you possibly can be. Um, and unfortunately, that means wearing full PPE. You know, our guidance has changed slightly with, with visors and goggles that, that now you only have to wear them if you are uh, face-to-face with a client or within that uh, social me- uh, social distancing of two metres. Um, if they're face down on the couch, you, you don't have to wear them. And that's just a change in, in, in general guidance across the board. Um, but... Keith said you can only use needles once. Yes, thanks for clarifying that, Keith. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I don't know what uh, Caroline's comment is. I won't ask how you... Oh, I do know, yeah. Um, Yeah, Caroline, I used to work with Brian many years ago and on our nights out, he used to wear full-arm gloves of a silk variety um, and that's why I made that comment. (laughs) but yeah, it, it's you know it's going to be interesting times as we go back to work. You know, my personal advice is you know 
don't overdo it in the early days you know pace yourself it's like a return to sport you know we can't go back to competing you know we're not game ready straight away so ease yourself into it don't overdo things do the best for your clients do the best for yourself and you know i speak to many members you know on a daily basis and a lot of them saying to me well actually i quite like doing four or five clients a day instead of stacking six or seven in i can write my notes up when i've cleaned the room down i can have a cup of tea or a banana or a glass of water um and and those things are important and you know you're no good to anybody if you're flat out on bed suffering from exhaustion um so take care of yourselves um you know, follow the guidance. I will check everybody's emails tomorrow to find out why it hasn't been received by some of you. Um, and I will be putting it in the in the Facebook groups, as I say. Try needling. Uh, the in Scotland, in each area seems to have slightly different uh, requirements for licensing. I'm going through licensing for dry needling, so I need licensing for the premises and licensing for myself which is complete enough to pay in the backside. So the licensing for the premises is done by environmental health where you need white clean floors, white clean walls, and basically white clean practitioners. Um, But the licensing for the practitioner is done by the local, let's say, licensing authority, the same people that do taxis, pubs, clubs, and so on. But they also, the license you need is the same one as for tattooing and piercing. Uh, and someone's saying how tattooing and piercing is being allowed now. So if the same licensing is required, then by dry needling, you're not going <laughs> against your licensing because you have the same licensing as tattooism, tattooists and piercers. That's maybe a grey area. Um, but what I'd say with that is we're open in three weeks anyway. Why push it? Uh, there's no point being, you know, trying to find the sort of, for most people, why, why find the gray area now? Why start pushing things when, you know, we, we're just back to normal in you know, a couple of weeks. Just spend the time getting ready, sharpening your needles. Um, and, um, you know, uh, yeah, so just spend the time doing things. Uh, that was all it was with Scotland. Um, I think there's fairly similar things in, uh, other devolved nations as well, because this was a uh, the tattooing and piercing, piercing license was reserved to Westminster, so it's the same in Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and England. Although it appears different authorities are interpreting it in different ways for different things, um, just to make it easy for everyone to understand, you know, the way they do. Okay, I can go away now. Um, you know, bring bring Gareth back on. Uh, Matt, let me just come back. There's a good question here. Did you see that question? Yeah, let me just come back on that. Um, we have, um, yeah. we did try and attach a, a, a modified COVID um, treatment form to the email that went out, but we had difficulty, and just because of time constraints, we couldn't do that. But that will go in the file section of the members group um t- tonight or tomorrow at the very latest but yes um there are questions that reference whether you've had um the vaccination and, and this brings keith's point and is there any guidance on uh, timings post 
um, vaccination for treating um, and there isn't um, but what we've done is we've looked at the likelihood of um, symptoms occurring after the jab and, and generally speaking within 48 hours one would experience some symptoms if, if you were going to do and, and 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 just for you know from my own perspective you know 12 hours after the jab I had a banging headache and I just didn't feel myself for 24 hours and so in the guidance, what we've we've said is that, you know, it's best to avoid um, having going, you know, having a client in for a treatment within 48 hours of their them receiving a jab. Um, some of the, the, the major symptoms, the main symptoms, the common symptoms, should I say, are, you know, headache, soreness at the injection site. It's usually a non-dominant arm, but, you know, ask because a lot of people um, who may have, a, a, you know, an injury they, in the non-dominant arm may have asked. And I know Daniel had his in his, in his glutes um uh, and uh and and he's he suffered so there's a site soreness is, is a is a real um sort of local contraindication to soft tissue treatment but uh, interestingly um some of the people who who react the most poorly to uh the to the covid jabs the astrazeneca one particularly were sort of middle-aged um, females um, and uh, you know anecdotally um, some people that I know have been experiencing symptoms for a week after their jab so you know it's a, a case-by-case -case, uh, basis there um, you know ask your client in your pre-covid uh, sort of screening whether they've had had the jab if it's within 48 hours have they experienced any symptoms you know if they if they're you know, if you're scheduling an appointment for three or four or seven days time, touch, you know, make contact with them before and say, you know, are you still OK? Are you experiencing any symptoms, any nausea, headaches? Um, vomiting is a common one as well. And, and if they are, then I would avoid giving a treatment, um, you know, until they're feeling um, stronger and, and, and more up to having a, a soft tissue treatment. Uh, there's, a, there's a message from, uh, from Catherine. Catherine there. I'll just answer this one, Matt. Just um, for the people listening to the podcast, just, that's the, yeah. that's the, yeah. just so they yeah, can so see it. Do we? Oh, it just moved again. Do we still need to wear visors or just masks and, and the other PPE? Well, our guidance is, uh, is is quite clear on this that we we are still going to wear gloves. We are still wearing uh, the type two uh, our medical face masks, and we are wearing a visor when we are face to face with our client. And uh, goggles are a, a suitable alternative to a visor. Um, the medical uh, moisture um, resistant goggles uh, that, that, that come all the way around the side of the eye, if you like, uh, not like a normal pair of spectacles where there's a lot of um, you know, access for vapor particles. Um, but that's only when face to face. So if you're if you're a close contact, if you're giving somebody a, you know, a neck or a shoulder massage, then I would say, yes, you're wearing a visor. Um, if they are face down on the couch, then th that mitigates the, the risk of, of airborne particles. Um, so there's no need to. But obviously, you would put that visor back on when you finish the treatment and when you're you know, face to face with them in close proximity, particularly if you're uh, prescribing some exercises and you're you know, demonstrating or moving a limb, uh, then yes, full PPE. Um, interestingly, I couldn't find any uh, clear guidance on the aprons. 
you know, we are still suggesting that you wear them. And the particular thing I was trying to find out whether disposable aprons were still recommended or wipeable aprons, because that's a question I'm asked regularly because of the impact on the environment. And, and that is something that we're going to clarify over the next couple of days when we can find it. Um, OK, there's one other thing there from Gillian. Yeah, just talking about blood clots. Is there extra caution following the vaccine? It depends what you read. Um, you know, there's some there's some alarming statistics out there. Um, and Daniel, you come back in a second. I'll just uh, just make this point, if I may. Um, I watched something um, on TikTok, which is a well-known um, source of medical facts um, at the weekend, and it was a doctor, a you know, a, a well-respected doctor who was saying that, you know, 18 million. Um, jabs have been given in this country and there are 30 um, incidences reported of blood clots and unfortunately seven deaths but he said if you extrapolate that into the wider population for 18 million um, you know inject oh, sorry 18 million of the of the normal population they'd expect to see somewhere between 50 and 70 instances of blood clots so i, I don't think there's any correlation i'm not a medical expert um, I do know that one of our members did suffer um, post-COVID with um, a, a blood clot-related stroke, um, but but we don't know whether that's COVID-related. That you know, there's no, no correlation being proven. Um, you know, but as the medical um, experts are saying, that the the benefits of the vaccination far outweigh the risks, and that's why I dutifully uh, went and, and, and had mine. Uh, Daniel wanted to say something, Matt, if you want to mute me again, please. Hi, yeah, I was just going to say basically pretty much what Gary said, but trying to put it in context, you're more likely to get a blood clot having paracetamol than you are the injection. Uh, and how many people will take paracetamol without thinking about it? How many people will take the paracetamol after having their vaccination because the site of the injection is sore? and not even think of that. So, yeah, we could potentially say that the blood clots were caused by people taking paracetamol after having the injection. But obviously we don't have the figures on that, so we can't say that. But if you ever had paracetamol and not worried about it, then don't worry about the vaccination. If you're on a contraceptive pill, uh, you're more likely to have a blood clot from the contraceptive than the vaccination you know when we think about relative risk is what we have to say have to say you know if you're going to take these drugs if you're going to take the vaccine that puts in levels of of order and uh i did have a table somewhere i'll have to try and dig out again i'll put it up on um the sta group of you know bands of you know this medication this medication this medication and the vaccine and the vaccine is so far down this down this list that I'm not going to say you're silly worrying about it, but in context, it's not worth worrying about it. Um, that's all I was going to say, just reiterating really what Gary was saying. Okay, gang, it's 9.03. Um, it's been really nice, particularly seeing all the people talking and we've always got a great bunch coming in um to the group always but it's been like up to 78 80 people here um really so thanks to the 
Daniel and Gonier and Gareth. Sorry, I can't bring you up, Gareth. Thank you too as well, because it's great. It shows anyone listening to the podcast. Hopefully, you can see. I'm not trying to sell the STA here, but you can see it's a it's unbiased, obviously. But it's a great community where people are supporting each other and giving advice and and discussing things without buying each other's heads off. Um, so hopefully, if you have listened to this, then um, if you are interested in details about becoming a member of the STA, then just head along to the website, um, and uh, you'll find all the details that you need there. Um, with that in mind, Gary, I suppose you should definitely have the final word anything you'd like to add um yeah i mean there are there are a couple of things that have just come up in the comments here one from sharon headley who said that csp are still advocating the use of disposable aprons so uh, that's a measure of, of where we should be uh, i think and also becky said that the qr code information has changed regarding sharing of information and and what our adapted um um covid screening form went on to mention was that you know we are you know legislated mandated to share information uh, to test and trace so um you know discussing that with your clients in your pre-covid screening saying that you know if necessary you are going to um you know share information um and and there is clear guidance on if you work in a multidiscipline clinic then you you have to um you have to name every therapist that may have been in, in contact with that uh, client in excess of 15 minutes. But we will be adding uh, documents to the members area and we will be revisiting the guidance as things become clear. And it usually takes 72 hours following uh, Boris's announcement or the devolved administration announcements for all of the finer detail to, um, you know, to be for us to be made aware of so if anything does change then we will um, we will update everybody um, you know, through the normal uh, communication channels but yeah uh, reiterate thanks to um, you know to Grenier, Daniel and to Gareth for giving their time to join us and giving us a flavour of, of what's happening regionally so I appreciate that very much. We'll be back same time next week on Tuesday. We've got um, a great show for you uh, with some insight from some uh, master students at Cardiff University with biomechanics. They've been working with the great um, Dr. Izzy Moore. So if you're into your biomechanics, then I would definitely come along and listen to their experience of why they went down that path and what they're gaining from it. Uh, that'll be next Tuesday. But yeah from myself and Gary and Gronier and Daniel and, and Gareth, who's waving frantically from the lobby at the bottom, <laughs> then <laughs> thank you. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about it.